0: Uh, welcome to another episode of The Weirding Hour. I am Bothwell. I'm Ria. I'm Nina. And we are The Weirding Hour. Uh, so for today, we are going to be talking about burial rituals. Ooh yeah and also at the same time because we like to do arts you know arty things crafty things um we will be doing charcoal drawings again because we felt like we hadn't given that a solid enough turn last time and also lockdown means we are running out of artistic implements i am i think i've already
1: decided that i'm like yeah not gonna not gonna try super hard on this it's gonna be very difficult
0: (laughs) (laughs) what drawing a burial ritual with a piece of charcoal
1: well I've already decided that I'm just doing a skull because I couldn't find anything else I wanted to draw and then I have started drawing the skull and then I'm like why do I keep choosing really detailed things to draw with charcoal so it's I I think maybe it's going to be an approximation of a skull.
0: (laughs) this is my artistic interpretation of a skull representative Um, of a skull i've just realized i forgot to say what we are the weird thing our podcast i forget because we're so many we've done so many now i kind of expect everyone listening um hello our three friends uh (laughs) (laughs) already know but if anyone is new to the podcast we are three friends who like to sit around and discuss weird phenomena um that might be weird things you find at the bottom of the sea or diseases or what else do you talk about
1: which is mass hysteria
0: <clears throat> loads of stuff yeah you can see it it's all the episode titles yeah just literally after you've listened to this one listen to some more and then you'll get it but yeah so that's what we do we chat about weird shit and we do some crafting at the same time we also encourage you to please craft along um as we would love to see your artistic endeavors you can um Hashtag it on Instagram, Weirding Hour. Um, we would love to see what you can produce. It will be of a better quality than ours. There is no doubt. Anybody got anything else they'd like to say? That's unfair, actually. Ria and Nina are quite autistic. Oh, artistic.
2: <laughs> artistic.
0: I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, that, would be, that would be a bold statement. <laughs> Uh, uh, bold or massively offensive probably
2: just just out of nowhere just yeah they're uh they're super autistic
0: yeah they're uh, based on the spectrum Uh, which would not be any kind of insult because yeah
2: it's not it's
0: not an insult um cool anybody got anything else that they would like to say before we get cracking on burial rituals uh no i don't think so i think
2: i think you can launch into it
0: Okay, well, to those who do listen to our podcast, Ria, I am going to be covering an area that you've kind of given us a little bit of a hint, well, a little bit of story into when we did zombies, because I'm going to be looking at the burial rituals of Haitian voodoo practitioners. Mm. So I'm going to do a little bit of sort of backstory just to kind of get you up to date with what's going on, and then we'll go into the burial rituals. So... According to an article that I found in The Guardian, um, Haitians consider Haiti to be roughly 70% Catholic, 30% Protestant and 100% Voodoo. So, and this is sometimes spelt V-O-D-O-U or V-O-O-D-O-O. And basically what happens is that you've got people there who kind of have some form of Christianity, but that's also then merged in with kind of some African religions and ideas around folk magic. Um, with voodoo, there isn't really a central authority. Um, it's kind of organized through sort of autonomous groups. So they don't have, like, there's no voodoo pope, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's <laughs> just interpreted through the different groups. Would so shotgun,
1: if that becomes a, a thing, though. Voodoo yeah. pope.
0: Yeah. Oh, you could totally. You've you've got a head for hats, though. You could, <laughs> you could, you could carry off that big tall papal hat. What's it called? Uh, <laughs> papal hat. Pope hat. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so voodoo developed among Afro-Haitian communities um, during the slave trade. So around sixteenth or well sixteenth to nineteenth century, um, and it arose through this kind of blending of the traditional religions. And then Roman Catholicism, which was obviously coming from the colonists. I think in this case, kind of the French colonists who controlled the island. So voodooists were involved in the Haitian Revolution. Um, So they obviously then overthrew the colonial government, were like, fuck off, abolished slavery, which is brilliant and established modern Haiti, uh, Haiti. So what they've ended up with, as I've said, is this kind of blending of Christianity, but they've kept their traditions and voodoo beliefs and just combined them so that they're able to exist. Do I mean synonymously? I don't mean that. Uh,
2: Symbiotically?
0: Yeah, let's go with that one. Um, Fabulous. So in terms of practising they don't really see any issue with practicing voodoo alongside Catholicism. So they don't see it as any form of blasphemy. You know, it's not something that contradicts the religion. Rather, it's something that complements it. Um, Even though voodoo's obviously faced quite a lot of criticism throughout history. And we've got this, I think a lot of people have this idea about voodoo. You know, you immediately see a doll with like pins in it and people sort of giving you the potion to curse others with. You You mean a a voodoo doll? Yes, exactly. I wonder why people make that connection. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I think the idea is that actually these have come out of, because it was the voodoo, um, you know, lots of the kind of voodoo, uh, uh, voodoo islanders were the ones who were involved in the revolution. I think that notion of sticking pins and that kind of scary view of them is something that the colonists spread. It's not something that particularly came out of voodoo itself. It's something that they did to kind of turn them into the boogeyman and sort of, yeah, make them seem scary. So voodoo in itself is apparently, um, you know, it's something that's faced a lot of criticism and is described as one of the world's most misunderstood religions. So the term voodoo encompasses a variety of Haiti's African-derived religious traditions and practices. Um, So it's kind of the word derives from, I'm going to have to say it, aizo. Um, referring to mysterious forces or powers that govern the world uh, and the lives of those who live within it, and also a, a range of artistic forms that function in conjunction with these energies. I just want to really stop and say I love that sentence. <laughs> well, wow. in, in conjunction. Um, so yeah. So this idea of voodoo is this: these kind of mysterious forces and powers and energies that are all around us, um, in kind of various different formats, and I guess kind of giving life to different things. So. Within Voodoo, there is an idea that there is um, one God, so known as the Bondi, which is why I think it's then been able to mesh quite nicely with ideas of Christianity, where there is also just one God. So mm. they've just kind of switched it over and it's him. Um, however, what they do have that's slightly different is that they've got these idea of spirits that are kind of, I guess, impacting the way that we live our lives and and kind of, yeah, just they have this impact on us. So they're categorized into three sects. So the first one are the spirits of family members, also known as spirits of the elements and forces of the earth. They're believed to interact with people or kind of those who call on them and summon them. Um, They're called the LWA. So I want to be like Loire, but I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, LWA. There's also a second group called the twins, and they're known to be the mystical forces of good and bad and then the dead. So these are the souls of the person belonging to certain family members or kind of known as ancestral souls um, whose bodies are not claimed after after their death. So what they're doing is they've kind of got this idea of spirits. And again, that blends in with the notion of the soul. In Christianity, and also sometimes with those spirits that you can call upon to support you, it kind of fits in with the idea of angels or gods. Uh, sorry, angels or um, saints. You know, it's that idea of um, sort of praying to a particular sort of person to help with a specific issue. So that's again the way that it kind of translates in there. One of the really interesting things that um, is different in terms of Voodoo is that it doesn't incorporate belief in a in a kind of powerful antagonist. So there's no Notion of kind of Satan mm. or the devil, which, given what people you know, if you think about voodoo again, you think about demons, mm. and curses, and that, don't you? It's that automatic assumption. But actually, I think it's a bit of a stereotype. Uh, do I need to talk any more about? Mm, probably not. Are you okay? You're talking very quickly. Oh, sorry. Shall I calm down? <laughs> it's a
1: bit hard to follow <laughs> what's happening.
0: Sorry. Um, so, in terms of how kind of voodoo practitioners are today, they still face a bit of discrimination, um, a lot of the time coming from fundamentalist religious groups. And one of the reasons being is that because voodoo goes against one of the major social norms, and this is where I don't understand how it fits with Roman Catholicism, is because voodoo actually reveres members of the LGBTQ community um, and believes in uh, all genders being treated equally. Sick, But they actually hold a reverence to LGBTQ people. <laughs> so obviously, nobody likes that. Uh, Haiti itself is still a really desperately poor country, and it doesn't have an awful lot of access to medicine, which means that the lifespan there is currently around 60 years um, and child mortality is really high, um, which is very sad. So basically, it means that kind of the death of someone, you know, is is pretty much a daily occurrence. Um as in the death, that some, uh, death of someone that somebody knows. So rituals for death are very, very common. So let's get to the point. I think that's why I was racing, Nina. <laughs> I was like, I want to talk about the actual rituals. <laughs> now that we all have a degree in voodoo and Roman Catholicism, Catholicism mixture, yeah, let's talk about voodoo death rituals. So voodoo practitioners believe that the soul enters the spirit world Immediately after death. However, it, I'm sorry. Of course. I'm laughing
1: at my drawing. I just fucking hate charcoal so much.
0: <laughs> Can we see what have you done?
1: The most wonky skull. This person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are they, are they this person. Like that is incredible. This person was born with, with such something. Bad eyes because their cavities <laughs> are like drooping down their
1: face. Well, I like penciled out the dimensions and then I was like, well, I filled in about half of this piece of paper and the point of charcoal is that I was going to go big. So then I just made it up on the spot and no, I need to plan ahead.
0: Go big or go very distorted. (laughs) Um, Okay, so. Yeah, your soul, after death, your soul enters into the spirit world, but it doesn't leave. It kind of lingers close to the body for the first seven to nine days. And apparently this is a very hazardous time for the soul because an evil practitioner or a practitioner with a grudge can steal the soul and stop it from reaching peace. Wow. Well, yeah, what do they do it? it? Um, I guess, well, a soul's got to be valuable, surely. That's And it. if you hated someone, you could be like, "I'ma stop you reaching eternal peace. I'ma keep you in a jam jar on my mantelpiece."
1: Well, that like the that's BFG. Funny. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, I'm
1: just wondering if there's anyone I would steal their soul and keep it forever. I feel like I know some people who deserve to have their souls stolen. Soul stolen.
0: Stolen soul. That Stole. delicious, that's delicious, delicious stolen. <laughs> I'm so sad we can only eat it at Christmas. Anyway, during this, this seven to nine day um, period, obviously the family members are kind of watching over and praying and, and taking really good care um, of the body and making sure that the spirit is hopefully okay. After a week has passed, either the male or the female voodoo practitioner, so these are pronounced, I hope, either the hoongan or the mambo. <laughs> You've just offended um, so many people. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know how you say it. Um, but they perform a nine-night ritual. So this rite frees the soul from its ties to the body and allows it to go to a place of dark water where it will stay for a year and a day.
1: Wow. Dark water? Yes. Oh. Uh, well, a long Sounds like a long process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, it might be too lazy to die. <laughs> like, I can't be bothered with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the end of this time, so after a year and a day, um, a priest performs a ritual called the rite of reclamation to transfer the soul into a clay jar called a govi or a govy. Uh, then he or she destroys the govi or govi in a ritualized way. So for example, shattering it at crossroads. And this sends the soul to the community of ancestral spirits. The spirits then enter the body of a family member or friend. <laughs> and Whoa. I guess just hang out yeah. there. Voodoo in the jar. Yeah, I think it would be better than a jar. I'd rather hang out in somebody else. Um, Voodoo practitioners <laughs> believe that LGBTQ people are especially receptive to souls. And that's why the, the religion reveres them within the community. Huh. Is that because they got, like, a,
1: a straight... If you're a woman, you've got a straight man's soul in you, and that's why you're...
0: Wait. You are right. Yeah, that's why you're a lesbian. <laughs> Could be. I, got, I don't know. I think it's just because, you know, there's... A, we're sensitive people, aren't we? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but apparently the spirit reincarnates 16 times and then enters the spirit world for good. So you've got to have 16 lives and then you can chill. I mean, that sounds great. Oh, does it? It, it sounds a lot. 16, 16 chill lives. I mean, yeah, if it's 16 great lives, then why not? Um, so in terms of the family responsibility around the kind of rituals, As I've said, it's a poor country and most um, Haitians die at home. So they'll be kind of surrounded by their loved ones who, and this, (laughs) this to me sounds like the part that I would enjoy the least, but after someone dies, you then have ritual wailing. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, so that that will happen. And it's generally the eldest member of the family who's responsible for making the arrangements for kind of the handling of the body and the funeral rites. Are Um,
1: you going to give us a little sample of the ritual wailing?
0: I don't think you or our listeners deserve that. How long does it last? Do do you you say words or do you just last for seven days (laughs) while they're still hanging around? Fuck. Yeah. Um, but it will also be something sometimes that the community all gets in on. So it might be their neighbours as well, that there'll be ritual wailing, praying. Oh, you doing a bit of wailing? Let me get in on that. They also do a ritual last bath to show respect to the deceased. Um, which, again, I'm kind of hoping would be on sort of day one, because as rigor mortis sets in, that's going to be tricky, isn't it? I feel. But Rigor
1: mortis only lasts like 48 hours or something, 72 hours. Yeah,
0: when that goes isn't that because everything's starting to go liquid i mean maybe i don't know um, i've never watched a do- uh, body decompose so
1: so not yeah Rhea oh, just Rhea just drops them off and leaves them <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> like i don't i don't want to look at that anymore um I've done my also, bit sorry this is one of my favorite quotes about um this so for in haiti a funeral is quite an elaborate social event so, you know, the passing of someone is something that is to be sort of commemorated, even though there's the wailing and the praying. You also get kind of family members coming, out of ta- um, coming from out of town. Everyone gathers for large meals. And the men play dominoes.
2: Uh, obviously.
0: Yeah, because why not? <laughs> Somebody dies, crack out the dominoes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love a bit of dominoes.
0: So in terms of the actual kind of getting rid of the body part, so to speak, this is a little bit tricky um, because yeah, I've, I've had trouble with that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for different reasons uh, <laughs> because they do feel that whatever happens to the body can affect the spirit. So they need to to sort of think about that. So cremation is not an option, which I believe is also true of the Roman Catholic Church, although I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they steer towards burial as well, not not cremation. Um but basically voodoo forbids the destruction of the body. Most people prefer um, to be able to place their loved ones in an above-ground mausoleum. How do you say that? Yeah, mausoleum. Sounds right. Yeah. Feels right. As their sort of final resting place, but obviously that's quite expensive and not many of them can afford it. Um, Sometimes those who are rich will also ask for an autopsy. Uh, Just tying into Ria's story, this is because they... um, Those who practice voodoo sometimes opt for one to make sure that the deceased is not a zombie. Mm. Um, So what you can do as an alternative, families would rent spaces in public um, mausoleums or when the first like they'll rent it for that first year. And when that kind of is that year is over. So do you remember that year and one day after they have the right of reclamation, if they can no longer afford to pay rent at that point, they might burn the body or they might just abandon it in a secluded spot and kind of pray that no harm comes to the spirit. <laughs> so that's a oh, little bit of... fab. I'm going to leave you here, Uncle Fred, best of luck, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but it's difficult, you know, if you can't, if you can't kind of afford yeah. one of those mausoleums. And I think that there are issues in terms of actually burying people and, and kind of the bodies staying, staying buried. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. But basically, um, That's that's their whole sort of burial ritual. It's something that takes place over a year, kind of, or so. But they sort of carry on these ideas that we're reborn 16 times and then we get to go and have sort of forever peace. Honestly, that sounds horrible.
2: What, living 16 lives? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, no. It
0: It does sound tiring. But I was really interested to find out how different voodoo was to my perception of it. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it just it, it, they kind of bore no, no no relevance really to one another. Yeah. I basically had the image in my head of that guy from um, the Frog Princess, you know, in the top hat. Yeah, um, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, um, sticking pins in dolls. And actually, it's just not. It's this kind of belief in the different energies and spirits and the way that they interact with us. It's and a a them. Disney film being problematic. <laughs> I am it. shocked. Uh... Shocked. I thought those were documentaries. Um, but no, apparently not. But essentially voodoo is kind of really rich and vibrant religion and it's it's interweaving so many different beliefs. Um, and again, like with those ones, they they are wrapped right into Christianity, which to me seems strange. I really want to know how they get around the LGBTQ part because I'm pretty sure Catholicism has not always been nice to them. I know that churches now are looking to be, become more accepting, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, I suppose a large part of the issue is that religion is is totally bubkiss so maybe we should just not do religion anymore
0: and then can everyone we, can be happy Yeah. Can we please have that on our merch t-shirt list um, Ria? Uh, Nina, that uh, religion is totally bubkiss <laughs> I love it, anyway guys that was my story, sorry it was a bit rambly didn't follow quite the linear pattern, I was hoping it would but I enjoyed learning about the Haitian rituals of death.
1: Yes, I love it when we get um, 20 minutes of backstory
0: and then a little bit about the topic. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's how I do. Come on now. <laughs> also, guys, how long are you going to wail for when I die? Um, I'd like a month. I feel like a week is too short. A sure. month? Wow. Oh, my I was gonna...
1: gosh. 30 seconds? Oh. That still sounds quite long. I don't know. Yeah, uh, like how, much... yeah, like,
2: how wailing should it be? And also, I, I I assume it's kind of like a full body thing of like throwing yourself down on the ground and then getting oh, yeah, you up can again.
0: And, I'm and very happy for you to put that kind of level of energy into it. Yeah,
2: a lot of emotional energy into sort of constant weight. No, I, I'd have to sleep, though,
0: wouldn't I? Um, I suppose if I do it in shifts, we can sort of. Yeah, I mean, I'm not unreasonable. I, you know, you can definitely take five minutes for yourself and have some lunch later as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, no, that's great. Just,
1: oh, <laughs> just, oh, just gonna grab a Sammy. I'll be back in a sec. Get the lunch box out. Oh,
2: that was good. Anyway. oh uh, yeah. Uh I think I'm next, guys. uh I'm sorry, can you hear that? Hear what? Could you hear that banging? No.
0: Hear? Are you having sex? <laughs> Could you not? Mid podcast. <laughs> yeah sorry I no, no,
1: no, no, no.
0: have <laughs> curiosity which hmm. which ritual would you go for in terms of burial?
2: Oh, um, I've told Will just to leave me at the
0: bottom of the garden. That's nice and easy for everybody. I quite like the one where you're left on a mountain top and birds just eat you because I feel like that would be quite cool, yeah, yeah, there's lots of
2: nice ones i I you know like maybe being buried with a tree and then the tree grows from oh, me that yeah. would be really nice. nice. But honestly, I don't like once I'm dead, I'm dead. I don't I don't want there to be that much fuss and I don't really want there to be that much money spent on it. And I don't want to be a whole big thing. Maybe I could go to one of those dead body farms um, that like
0: learning ones. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because then you just decompose like over time and then they come look at you and go, oh, that's how decomposition works. Yeah. I don't know. It's that's kind of cool.
0: I think I might like to be put in a bridal shop window. Ah!
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Oh God! Can you imagine, like actually putting corpses in shop windows, and I'd then and then you're still trying to dress them
1: as brides. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <I had> limbs <laughs> are falling off.
0: Oh, Not just but women on their most special day, apparently. <laughs> Sorry
1: about that. I'm back. My housemate got locked out. Is no one else in? Is it just you at home? Um, Yeah, Nat's gone to Sainsbury's. Yeah. Because she loved Sainsbury's.
2: I love Sainsbury's. I love shops.
0: I miss shops. I hate shops. Yeah, food shopping is boring.
2: I like going for a food shop with Will. And I like going, oh, look at that. That You just
1: fucked with him the whole time.
2: (laughs) No, we just... I just like, oh look, we haven't cooked that before. What is it? And then we'll buy it and then we'll see if we can do something with it. Well it's like that's a that's someone else's toddler here. We we just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like like it'd be fine if we produced our own,
0: obviously. I don't know uh, if you're allowed to eat them either, you know? No. Oh, I oh. know. I don't I know you don't like being told what to do, <laughs> You're so fussy. I just thought you whatever
1: you own, you can eat. You can eat.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. But apparently you can't abort them. So,
1: oh my god! Hey,
0: that's not your decision to make, Nina. That's for a random middle-aged white guy to decide. Okay, oh, right? Yeah. I'm sorry, with all your experience of owning a uterus. But like the bizarre girls just thing. don't have sex with guys if you don't want to get pregnant, yo. But that's also, why won't any is.
1: of these girls have sex with me? Yeah, I'm such and a I'm nice guy. To doing it. Uh,
2: yeah, it's, it's, so yeah no, it's it's ludicrous. Right, I'm doing my story. Cool. Okay, um, so I'd like to talk about um, a, a practice many years ago in the south of France, um, but I'd like to start by talking about the Gauls and the
0: Celts. Oh, cool. Obelics. So Obelix.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so... I started with the question and, and honestly I'd love to share my notes with you because how I wrote them is just really bizarre, but I wrote, are they different? Um, And honestly, sometimes no, but sometimes yes. Oh, I should have practiced saying this. Posidonius, who was a Greek philosopher um, and he actually uh, wrote about the burial practices of the Celts. He, had travelled over the Alps and when he got over the Alps he was like, hey, who are you? And and the people who he was talking to said, oh, we're the Celts. And then for some reason, ever since then everyone from the Alps to Britain to France was referred to as the Celts, even though a lot of them were Gauls. Um, so So there's... I know, it's... It, you crazy bastards. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's just, it, it, it's who writes it down. That's the point. We get to decide who's who from who wrote it down first. Well, these guys told me they were the Celts. And so everyone from here is the Celts. So, fuck you guys. So, moving on. During the 3rd century BC, Celtic-speaking peoples inhabited Um, large areas of Europe, including southern France, which is where I'm going to be focusing. Uh, And they practiced agriculture. They were skilled in metalwork and had uh, societies that were organized uh, in hierarchies. And they were also renowned warriors. So loads of uh, what's written about this particular group in the south of France is that they uh, were excellent fighters and very bloodthirsty people. So this will sort of dictate how they dealt with burial and uh, the burial of friends and the burial of enemies. So in one particular town in Entremont in France, archaeologists unearthed fragments of human skulls uh, that they believed confirmed the practice of deliberate decapitation. So they concluded that the skulls were war trophies um, or the result of little understood ritual practice. So, uh in the first scenario, the victors, so these Iron Age Celtic or Gaulish warriors may have taken the heads of their enemies, embalmed them, and then prominently displayed them within their settlements in different ways. fucking metal. Yeah. So I just I just want you to know, like, I've got titles like How They Bury Their Friends for like various paragraphs in what I've written. So How Talk They Bury Your Friend, them. a Tummy's Guide. Yeah. So the Celtic tribes believed that the spirit of uh, their dead chief would keep watch and ward over them. So they would bury them with their favorite slaves, with their animals and with lots of other things to sort of celebrate that they could take with them into death. And they would have, you know, particular sort of rooms
0: dedicated to this within the burial mound of all the things. Taking their favorite slaves with them. Is this a bit like the whole ancient Egyptian thing where those slaves might not also have passed away at the same time?
2: Yeah, it's exactly that. Um, mm. So, yes. And their favorite
1: animals as well. So What do you mean? They killed them. Yeah. 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 Oh, So you don't you really want to be someone's favorite slave. No, no you want to be a really shit employee. <laughs> yeah,
2: you want to be so, so awful that they don't believe you could ever do a good job in the afterlife. And then my next title is... The shit they do with their enemies. <laughs> uh, God, I'm so good at notes. So in Entremont, particular, uh, there was a group of violent Iron Age warriors who cut off the heads of their enemies and would nail them to their shields during battle, I suppose, or after battle. And and yeah, I don't know how long they would nail them to their shields for, but they're also to get a bit pongy. Yeah. Well, I. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe the, the slow sort of degradation of them is important. I don't know. But the other thing uh, that was recorded was they wouldn't just nail them to their shields, but they would also tie them to their horses. So I imagine that you'd go out into battle, you'd kill however many people, and you'd take their heads, and then you'd... I was kind of thinking it was like, you know, like the skate noose that holds the skates? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I guess it would be like that. So you so like tie a strap to... with two loops at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd tie them to um a rope and then hang it over the neck of your horse so that you had your, you know, heads on um on Dangling around. as you were riding back from battle. So you could be like, Hey, look how many people I killed, isn't that great? And they've got um carvings uh, of of that exact situation, so of a horse with seven severed heads hanging from it, and uh, a jubilant warrior uh, riding on top of them. So that was—that's—that's that's not quite got to the burial element yet. That's more like, "Hey, look! I've killed you. This is cool. Um, and and now I've got these heads. So look everyone, how
0: cool yeah. I look, bro. Yeah, yeah that's like, what I call getting a head. Eh. Oh no! Sorry, I'll leave. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So I've I've gone on to uh, what do we know about the head cult of the Gauls? So yeah, they were fearsome enemies, uh, fearsome warriors. Anem- who cut off enemies,
1: enemies. Uh,
2: they were fearsome warriors who cut off the heads of their enemies and hung them over their horses for all to see. Some attached the heads of fallen foes to their shields to terrify their enemies when they next went into battle. So yeah, I assume that like each battle you'd replenish. The, the heads on your shield. Just because, can you imagine if you had like a completely dry skull on your shield and just one of them, everyone would know that you were shit and that you'd like <laughs> only killed one person like fucking years Ages ago. Ages ago.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Oh my like, god. Can you even do it anymore? Like,
1: Henry killed that person like two years ago. Oh
2: god, he hasn't even been in battle since because he's shit. <laughs> um, that oh, kind Henry. of Henry. Yeah, well, we all know that about Henry, don't we?
1: Famous Gaul name.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Henry. Um, So there's a few um, quotes from people at the time. So um, a 4th century Roman historian, Ammianus Marcellinus, wrote the Gauls were tall, light-skinned, light-haired and light-eyed. So cool. But uh, apparently they also uh, had reddish hair. So I mean, it sounds like me. It's it honestly, it just sounds like a bunch of me, Um, and the skulls. Well, how do you explain asterix? Well, yeah, he's so short. Yeah,
0: Uh,
2: and uh, but he does have an incredible mustache, which makes up for it, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And an incredibly enormous friend.
2: Yes, which also makes up for lacking in height, I suppose. My friend's really tall, so I don't have to be. Yeah, maybe he's just lazy.
1: Oh, amazing. We found Um, out short people's... (laughs)
2: Grow harder. Yeah, just put some effort in. Jeez. Uh, So another quote, their savage eyes make them fearful objects. They are eager to quarrel and excessively truculent, Uh, which is, I think, I feel like a little mild to describe a bunch of people who go out and cut heads off and shove them on their shields' horses and then take them back for display. But that's. What,
1: what does truculent mean?
2: Uh, like a bit argumentative. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's truculent. Like, no, he's a fucking psychopath. Run away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So, specifically, the heads found in the south of France in Entremont, these heads that were found actually had uh, resin on them, which would indicate that they were embalmed in some way. So, yes, after they've done the whole nailing onto their shields, carrying them around on their horse, they take them home and they would put them on prominent display around their houses. So, some of these heads were found with nails in them near these houses. So, like, they would have literally nailed the rotting heads to their house to show that they, yeah, exactly. So terrible. I know, right?
0: I feel uh, like everything no, back realize,
2: in. They were embalmed before doing that to really preserve them. So I'm sure they, I'm sure they were fine.
0: Yeah. Can I just agree with that? I think the point that Nina was about to make that I think everything smelled terrible back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Feeling.
2: Yeah. So you'd probably you you could make different choices. But choices. They also... They also uh, would put... So it, they had uh, stone archways that were uncovered in Entremont near, near the temples. Um, and in those arches, there were um, spaces within the wall where they'd shoved in heads. So obviously when they were found, there were skulls. But at the time, there were like specific archways built near the temples so that you could put your heads on display in the recesses in this archway, uh, which which is incredible, uh, and obviously the more important the person was who you killed, the more likely it is that you would put them on prominent display. Be like, look, I killed this chief of my enemies. Aren't I fucking cool? And everyone <laughs> would be like, Yeah, you are fucking cool, but you know, mainly because I'm fucking terrified of you. Yeah, you got to
1: like head on your front door. PC yeah, DC Instagram, right? yeah
2: oh absolutely and then everyone's got a comment underneath like
1: yeah no that's really cool well done could you heart my skull please i did really hard work trying to kill this dude yeah it
2: looks great well done um yeah thumbs thumbs up so let's see i've got a quote here which i thought was quite oh it's quite good um so this is uh mentioned in strabo which is a book um so in addition to their folly They have a barbarous and absurd custom, common, however, with many nations of the north, of suspending the heads of their enemies from their horses uh, on their return from battle, and when they have arrived, nailing them as a spectacle to their gates. Posidonius says he witnessed this in many different places and was at first shocked, but became familiar with it in time on account of its frequency. The bead of any illustrious person they embalmed with cedar uh exhibit them to strangers and and this is my favorite part would not sell them for their weight in gold like what why who's asking you to sell them? Um
0: people who are shit shit murdering they're like you'd be like, I haven't killed anyone, Jeff. Just sell me one of your heads. Yeah.
2: I have that one. I'll give you gold. Yeah. Like, no. I don't want your fucking heads. Um but the Romans put a stop to these customs, um, as well as their modes of sacrifice and divination, which were quite opposite to those sanctioned by our laws. So they wouldn't sell those. You know, you put a lot of work in. You don't want to sell it. It's yours. You've, you've done the work. You want to display that. Yeah, um, so, I fully agree. Yeah, exactly. Let's just see. Oh, I've also titled something similar shit in Italy. Uh-oh. so
1: uh <laughs> oh bye italians thank you for stopping by know yeah. how um passionately you felt about the research that you did this week <laughs> and how much care and time went into it oh yeah
2: uh, I, a lot of time went into it but apparently this is not what titles <laughs> livy a roman writer noted that the boy B-O-I-I tribe in northern Italy, took the head of um, a Roman military lead- leader called Postumius after a battle to their holiest shrine and there transformed the head into a vessel for libations during their holiest rites. The interior of the cranium was described as having been gilded. So, So yeah, they took the military leader and turned his head into a cup. What was his name? Uh, Like which? Like posthumous. posthumous. Yeah. 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 But it well, it doesn't have an H in it, so it's slightly different. Also, Um, this
1: was who were the people doing this?
2: Uh, the boy.
1: Boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Boys. boys! (laughs) That's what they say when they like see each other, people from their tribe. Yeah,
2: Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Um uh, so they they were having a great time turning heads into cups. Apparently there was something similar in Cambridge and Lincolnshire so uh we did it too don't worry guys. Yeah. Uh and then another one in Britain in St Albans at Folly Lane a skull of an adolescent man was found in a deep pit and they could they found small cut marks on him indicating that they defleshed him before putting him on display. Um, And there's also indication that it was modified so that they could display it on a stake.
0: You wouldn't want to
1: display it with the flesh because that would just be gruesome, wouldn't
2: it? But it's yeah. And and, yeah, it smells like as we've already established. So, yeah, slightly better than France, where they're like, I love the decomposing heads Uh, (laughs) in Britain. They were like, actually, I think I just want to see the skull, like the cleanness of it. I think for display purposes is just going to be, you know, on point. But then also, I love, I love the idea of gilding uh, the inside of a skull with gold to make it into a special drinking cup. You that know, sounds awesome.
0: Yeah. Like, that's cool. You're really fancy at that point, aren't you? Like, yeah, you're
2: exactly. So- exactly. You're a fancy fucking psychopath. You guys were talking about what you want to happen to your bodies when you die. You can now I, I know. know. Yeah, yeah, this is it, this is it. And if you could wail whilst drinking out of my head cup, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> head so I just, I'm finishing there. So that's that's everything really. Um, but in conclusion, I just wanted to say that um, headhunting happened all over the world. So I know a lot of people think like, oh, you know, third world countries or, you know, what have you, or they'll have like primitivism, which is just like, it's just a disgusting way of like, separating out people but like we've all done it like every every single like group of human like in the world has had weird fucking practices surrounding heads and surrounding the bodies of their enemies and and that's it really so and no one's better than anyone else no well precisely except obviously for gilding the skull to make it into a cup
0: because that was pretty sick yeah that's pretty badass
2: yeah that's pretty cool um, so that's that's it, really. I also wanted to point out before I, I let you start, Nina, I my drawing was of the um, of St. Catherine of Siena uh, because they kept her severed head and it's actually on display in Basilica San uh, Domenico in Italy. And uh, and it's
1: that's kind of strange.
2: That Is it just, just her skull? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's it's um, it's kind of like her mummified head.
1: So, can we see it? Have you got
2: it? Let me put the link in the in the chat. So it's it's pretty fucking cool. Uh, Ew. Oh. Yeah. But it's so well displayed, like you know, and you can see the the wood's beautiful, like in her little shrine.
0: Gorgeous cabinet, guys. Yeah. Beautiful. If you're thinking about displaying a head, this is the only way to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she's got None her own little. What's the What's the arch in Paris called? Ooh, uh, well, oh, well, the Arc de Triomphe. It's like her. She's got her own little version of that.
2: Oh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, the Arc de Triomphe is probably what you were thinking of anyway that's that's the end for me so um yeah that's my burial rituals
1: cool nice slash gross yeah <laughs> anything that makes me think of asterix noblix is a plus a++ plus in my book so
0: yeah give you guys an update of my drawing
1: yeah i tried please,
0: yeah. To do, i tried to do the ritual that we talked about before ria where you know you're just left to be picked by vultures and therefore you can become part of nature and the sky. Sky burial. Uh, one of my vultures... Sorry, that's my dog joining in. Uh, one of my vultures is really
2: pigeon-esque. <laughs> I, I'd see that as a vulture. I, yeah, I would. By giant pigeon. I mean, it's less pigeon-like to me. If we're going to go with anything, I'd almost argue guinea fowl.
0: But... Um... <laughs> Death by turkeys isn't regal, is it? Like that's not.
2: It's not. It's not. <laughs> as regal <laughs> as,
1: as first I mean, No. Fuck. Like, they'll not do pop. the. They'll do the wailing for you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. I am not doing burial <laughs> rituals. Um. <laughs> I'm telling you a story from Brazil. <laughs> Yay! Is it? Um, is it from Brazil? No. Oh. So I, is it burial? It's not really burial rituals. Basically, I'm just doing all the like vic- weird Victorian customs around death. Ooh, yeah, that's dying cool. cool. in funeral, because I just stumbled across it and I was like, "You're so gosh! I want to know about this." Um, so I'm just gonna do a little bit about all the weird stuff they do. So I was trying to like look up why it happened, and a lot of the things were saying it was. Um, because it was all really like stuffy and formal um but the like standards of grieving were from queen victoria's example so she famously wore black when her husband died for the rest of her life which was actually 40 years um and because there was all that like rules around etiquette and stuff at the time so some of the rules that i found will contradict each other um but it depended on what class you were and what country so some of these are most of these are UK some of them are American but it's all mainly
0: middle-class stuff um, that because poor you know like was it the same deal kind of if they were poor they couldn't necessarily afford to do these things yeah yeah And the if you were
1: getting gilded yeah. if you were poor you had to people would pay into like I can't remember what they called funeral unions or something so that you'd have an actual funeral because it was so important but it was all it was all just like status symbol stuff um which seems to be what all the Victorian period was about was yeah. just looking better than your neighbors kind of shit but it's so beautiful <laughs> all the clothes are so cool
0: um I mean you've been wearing formal black forever haven't you Nina <laughs> Okay, phases. Your husband didn't even die. <clears throat> no, she killed him. Sorry.
1: Before, I'm gonna. It's just like a timeline of like before someone dies, and then it goes through what the kind of pr- procedure is. So before someone died, because um, all of it was so important. They, You even, for kids, you, they had dolls and they would practice mourning because all the customs around it were so important in terms of, like, status. So, by the 1870s, death kits were available for dolls, complete with coffins and mourning clothes, as a means of helping to train girls for participating in, even guiding, death rituals and their attendant grief. Wow. Yeah. So, you, you teach your children... You teach the girls because um, it was because the women were seen as the moral centre of the home. So basically grieving was
0: their, their fucking things. Oh, God. We get all the best stuff, don't we? Like right. chores and yeah. babies <laughs> and, and grieving. looking after the dead.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they'd like be training kids from a really young age how to handle death and the rules were so complicated there were morning instruction manuals that you could buy and like were in magazines and stuff explaining oh, shit I kind of want those <laughs> I know kinda... I tried really hard to find some but I couldn't I couldn't find them rule number one look sad John. <laughs> <laughs> <Done. laughs> rule number two no laughing no but we're, oh uh, shit can't do that one number it's one. look sad but don't look too sad because you can't cry because that's kind of unseemly
0: uh, but
1: you do have to look sad. Okay. For a long time.
0: Sure. So
1: um yeah, so the manuals were just to explain all the crazy fucking rules around them. So what happened? I've just got a few of the rules because there are so many and I think they just changed constantly because it was all a fashion thing.
2: Yeah. The well, no, the Victorians were all about fads and their fashion changed so fucking quickly.
1: Yeah and And it was so important that you had to like it wasn't like now when a fashion changes you can go I don't give a fuck about that it was like to be in society yeah then you you had to have it
2: yeah it's it's kind of like being um girls at school
1: Mm, but for your whole life Yeah. yeah yeah and um yeah it's like ultra capitalism to me Oh, yeah, for sure. I guess it's because of the Industrial Revolution and, like, people had more money and were working fewer hours and shit. It
2: seems also... Disposable disposable income. Oh, sorry, what's that, Bobs?
1: Sorry, no, I spoke over Nina. No, no, it is. It's about controlling women as well. Yeah. As these things tend to be. So, when someone dies, you would stop the clocks um, to mark the time of death, to honour the moment to avert bad luck and to allow the dead to move on. So, if the clocks were not stopped, then time would continue, allowing the spirits to remain in the present to haunt or endlessly roam in between states of existence. After the deceased was laid to rest in the ground, the clock could be uncovered and restarted. However, if the head of the house passed, the clock would never tick again. (gasps) Because, I mean, presumably the head of the house is always a man, so that's very important.
2: Well, absolutely if he dies. I mean, who's going to make decisions for your household now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, immediately after, um, you'd cover all the mirrors in the house with black cloth, sometimes like pictures as well, because there was uh, superstition that mirrors could trap the deceased person's soul, and um, also to prevent vanity and allow all focus to be on the person who died. Um, you, You had to watch the dead so when the person was dying the family would watch over them but then once they died you'd get close family friends to watch over them to To make sure they didn't do any creepy shit well pretty much so it was to spare the friends did it to spare the family the grief of having to do it but someone had to remain with the body at all times Um, it says it comforted the dead and helped them better transition to the afterlife more practical ideas for this constant vigil involved the need to keep rodents away from the body to be near just in case the deceased wasn't truly dead because i think that happened quite a bit back then and also to greet anyone who traveled a long way to pay their respects yeah so yeah it's just um keeping an eye on any shenanigans from that yeah like don't you fucking move yeah, you're dead. Everyone's gone off. Everyone's very upset. Don't fucking come back. Don't come back now. Look, I've covered up all the fucking mirrors, and I've <laughs> yeah. turned down the family photos. Do you know how hard it was
0: to get to the top of that giant mirror to cover it? They were big into ghosts, though, weren't they? Victorians. I feel like yeah, they were. They were just. So they were just obsessed
1: with death and dying. I think that's why goths love Victorian era clothes. Mm. I think that's why a lot of goth fashion is
2: the the goes looking the the goes the clothes look incredible
1: yeah that too but also a thing I I read was that they had longer life expectancies um, because conditions I think were improving so it was more tragic if someone died and there was lots of fear around death and I guess it all plays into well i don't know i was going to say it plays into like religious beliefs but if you believe you've got an afterlife why are you fucking scared of dying anyway mm.
2: well because we don't really believe i, I mean, don't some really
0: people do, but i suppose it's still there's just you know it's it's not in our biology to just kind of accept death yeah. is it? no but they
1: were they were truly obsessed with it um So they'd put black cloth on the doorknobs to show people who might be coming that there was a death in the house and so that if you were coming in then you'd knock gently as a kind of sign of respect and the cloth would be white if the person who died was young or unmarried Mm. because they care about that stuff a lot. So um, they would wash the body and dress it and move it into the parlour for viewing um and i think most funerals were happened at home and sometimes or often women sewed their own burial clothes and kept them under the bed like really ceremoniously in tissue paper and all wrapped up really neatly and nicely so they were like constantly aware of their death but also had all this superstition around it yeah i suppose there was a lot
2: of um money surrounding death as well yeah so i think you try to make preparations as much as possible to to keep costs down
1: Mm. um so they would take photos with the dead and depending on how much money you had it did say often that would might be the only photo of that person to exist so i guess i feel like that's quite nice like if you you know this person's dead you're not going to see them anymore but you are going to get a photo so that you can remember them. But it was kind of creepy because they do like family portraits and stuff with the person sitting up. And yeah, yeah, sometimes they'd put them in like a position mimicking what they did in their life. So like a carpenter might be in his workshop with his tools. Oh,
2: wow. Yeah. Uh, That's incredible. Cause I've seen the photos of like particularly children yeah. Where they've got them dressed in their in their christening dress or what
1: have you. And, and they're sat on their lap and they're just... And it's there's, like... There's some ones where the, there's babies and they're not with anyone. So they're just like on a sheet. But it's actually their mother underneath the sheet holding them up. Yeah. But they also said they did that for babies when they were alive as well. So they don't...
0: A lot of the photos, they don't know if the baby is alive or dead. Yeah. Like so nowadays... We're... They like uh, I don't I, I don't know if you guys have, have seen a body, but having seen a body, they look dead. Do you know what I mean? Even when they've been embalmed and made to look up, whatever, mm. a lifeless body just looks it. And I feel like you can just see it in the in the eyes. A lot of them, they
1: would just take a photo in whatever state they were in, mm. like mouth open, <laughs> eyes gaping. Honestly, it's it's kind of mad. Have you looked yeah. these up? Have you up Victorian death photos? I've looked up a lot of Victorian death stuff and photos, yes. Because wow. uh, particularly the ones with the children, their eyes will probably be closed. So you just wouldn't
2: necessarily... Yeah, sometimes
1: they'd just make it look like they were sleeping. Or sometimes the photo would be taken a bit of a while afterwards. And oh. so their face is all sunken in. And
0: oh,
1: I'm talking about adults. I haven't seen children. A few yeah. Um, I think the children, they
2: tried to get the photos very shortly yeah. afterwards. Um, And they did this in Mexico as well. But the yeah, they were doing it in Victorian England as well.
1: And sometimes I've read that sometimes they painted the eyes to look open. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if they painted on the eyelids or they like touched the photos up afterwards because they had, they were, finding these techniques and stuff that they could do with that but you can't yeah. tell
0: These yeah. are nightmarish. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> nightmarish. and i just do i cannot i just cannot discern what level of comfort this would bring you it's like looking at a really macabre but if that's nightmare. the only photo you have of that person do you know what i think i would still stick to my memory
2: But memories are mutable. We know that,
0: you
1: know. Mm. Guys, no, though. (laughs) No, though. (laughs) It's just, yeah. It's all. They they just sound bonkers. So anyway, the funeral, um, as I said, would be held at home, or you would hold it at the graveside, and (laughs) if it was possible, family members were placed in a room adjoining where the words of the service could be heard, but to spare them the pain of giving way to their grief before strangers. Mm. So you're not allowed to cry in front of people publicly because it's considered unseemly. But you Uh, can
2: show them a fucking corpse
1: and
0: take a photo with it. Hell yeah! This reminds me, though, do you remember when we talked about the kind of um, women who were ending up in asylums? you know and you can imagine actually that if they're not allowed to have any demonstration of their emotions or feelings can you imagine if you did lose you know a, a child or your partner and you were just distraught them being like okay well you're clearly mental uh so
1: or th- if you didn't mourn hard enough then they might send you away as well be like she wasn't upset enough about this thing that happened yeah. to her husband because her husband was a cock but <laughs> yeah so yes funeral they would sometimes hire professional mourners um because they so they would trail behind the coffin or hover near and look especially forlorn oh really ramp up how important that person was yeah yeah
0: just look forlorn Uh, especially forlorn yeah ramp it up a tiny bit (laughs) i wear black all
1: the time anyway i'm halfway there
0: Yeah, Yeah, you're pretty born just on the daily. (laughs) (laughs) It's true.
1: I mean, easy money. Easy money, guys. So um, they also had tear vials. So this kind of contradicts the not crying thing. So I don't know if the families couldn't cry or if this was like American versus UK or whatever. But I also found that they had small glass vials which were used to catch the tears of mourners during services. And after the service, they'd be given to the family of the deceased as a way to prove how much that person would be missed. Um, And they were also handy in helping a mourning family decide how long an appropriate mourning period should be. Once the tears in the vials were all dried up, mourning could cease.
0: Uh, Oh, wow. That's like the logical scientific way to measure that. Yeah, sure. Fuck
1: yeah. The age of reason, you guys. But then also other places they have very strict timescales on mourning so like women would have to mourn for like two years in a certain level and then another year in a like half mourning
0: oh. i think i've
1: got some stuff about it later <laughs> Men, on yeah. the
0: other hand just quickly need to remarry as soon as possible well yeah because who's gonna things, do the cooking uh, and the fucking cleaning and the having kids yeah Go so on.
1: widows and widowers stay in mourning for up to two and a half years uh, but other family members shorter periods of time depending on your relationship to the deceased yeah so once you're in your coffin and you've had your funeral in your house um when you're carrying it out of the house it needs to be carried out feet first so that the dead don't look back into the house and decide that they want to stay (laughs) we don't want you here i changed my mind (laughs) (laughs) beloved husband don't come back
2: Uh, well i mean honestly uh i love you guys but but if you did die and then you decided to come back, I'd be like, oh, I'm less keen to hang out, though. Yeah. <laughs> I've already sewed myself a new black wardrobe. I know. Like, Also, you're, you're walking corpses and uh,
1: it's freaking me out. And also, you're stinking up my house real bad. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like this photo I took, so take it with <laughs> <laughs> me. Um, okay, so for actual burial which is supposed to be the topic (laughs) yeah so I think you probably all know about safety coffins so there was a widespread fear of being buried prematurely so like waking up so there was stuff like strings in coffins running up to a bell outside so you could bring it if you wake up in your coffin and a guy one guy designed a, a glass window in the top of the coffin with a big long shaft going up to the top so that you could look down the shaft and see if they were a, had woken up.
2: I love it because <laughs> even if you've buried them alive and they ring their little bell, they're going to suffocate by the time you've dug them out. Are they? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Well, to say that's a six-foot
1: hole. Yeah, but I don't know how much... I was in there. They did it with a shovel, Nina. <laughs> like, okay, not maybe. like
2: today with a digger. You'd be like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, get that thing out. Um, It'd be like, shit, that's going to take a whole
0: fucking day. Well, that sounds like hell. <laughs> maybe they'd get lots of people doing it, though.
2: Yeah, maybe. And yeah. so.
0: Not many, just one bloke, like, desperately <laughs> I mean just make sure they're dead before you bury them. And in other How many people can you fit in your hole?
1: Uh well. Now that
0: you're <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a sip of tea and I nearly died. <laughs> <go. laughs> oh they just not enough <laughs> to, to get the
2: dead body out.
1: <laughs> not before they suffocate, at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh lord. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Um <laughs> so they also had fortified graves um to prevent grave robbing because that was really popular around then because they would sell the bodies to medical schools. So it was stuff like iron cages built around burial plots but they were temporary so they'd they you'd like hire it and then once your it had reached the date where you'd be composed and you'd be bones and you wouldn't be valuable to medical schools anymore. They'd take it off, move it to another place. Um, there were gadgets to prevent coffin lids being pried off. Um, you could have double and triple coffins. Oh, lovely. Yeah.
2: all the merrier. That's what I always say. <laughs> How many can we fit in my hole?
1: <laughs> so, last little bit... Um, so after the person had died and had the funeral and all that stuff was over then it would be um, so the length of grieving I spoke about um, but you'd have to go into mourning dress um, and which was especially difficult for women surprisingly so men basically just had to wear early on they had to wear mourning coats and a black band on their hat and later on they had to wear black gloves and um, sometimes a black armband but women had to wear these really big heavy cumbersome black dresses that were um, expensive uncomfortable and often saturated with arsenic oh
0: yeah why
1: giggle? though Why though? I My think the dye and because they were so they were dyed black but they were also treated to make them really matte right um but it said like all the veils and stuff would give them spots and like sores and cause them to go heads, faces to go itchy and all this oh. shit. Um. So later on, they'd go to half morning where, and they'd be permitted to wear purple or gray. So you'd kind of slowly transition out of morning. Um, you couldn't just go straight into wearing colors again. Cause that's,
2: no, no. well, that would be far too shocking.
1: Um, so the high mortality rates meant that morning dress would often be worn for much of people's lives because as soon as you're out of it, someone else is dying and you're back into it. Yeah. And sometimes they even had to tie black ribbons to their underwear. Oh. Because it's just excessive. Who's, who's checking that? Do you know
2: yeah, who is checking what? that? Do not you know? Are you mourning properly? Show us your knickers. <laughs> <laughs> Are you upset enough? Show, me, show us what's under there. No, it's it's
1: gross. Ugh. It is gross. Um, And so they also took me- mementos of the dead. So memento mori, um, yeah. which is remember your mortality. That's what they would call the mementos. So it would be stuff like locks of hair, which would be put into lockets and jewellery, um, paintings and corsages, wreaths and fabrics so they just whatever they can put this hair in they're gonna stick in yeah even if it's pretty gross um sometimes they make death masks out of wax um and sometimes if it was a child who died they'd make a doll so they'd make like the a, a wax doll that had like a stuffed body and they'd keep it either at the graveside or in their house which wow they pretty fucking creepy
2: yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah.
1: No. That's no. Um, and I've just got a little bit at the end. So in addition to all of the stuff that women had to do around morning, um, they were expected to be isolated during it. So where men might be able to work through their grief, women were expected to stay at home with visitors only allowed after the mourning period was over. Fucking Christ. I don't know how long that was true for, because all these custom changed all the time. But I think for a certain bit, women were expected to like not socialise and like you weren't allowed to go out to dances and happy stuff like that.
2: Like that's fine. I probably wouldn't want to go to dances, but I think I would want my friends to fucking come round.
0: Yeah, and might want to go to a social occasion. Do you know what I mean? Like after a year,
1: take your mind off it.
0: yeah yeah i'd be nice just
1: have like an hour where you don't have to think about it yeah you're not thinking about your fucking itchy face because you're wearing this arsenic dress like no
2: just i just really want to like
0: wallow in my misery yeah so that's it barrel rituals Um, i really enjoyed that nina yeah that was really cool creepy af
1: victorians are creepy and they wear some dope shit they do they
0: do Creepy again like it's it's great, but it's creepy. Everything about the Victorians is creepy.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Well, that was
2: a lot of fun. I enjoyed yeah. that. Uh I shared my drawing in the oh. uh in the messenger did it, chat. Did you do two drawings? I can... Well, I did one before uh the session to practice. Um. And then the one I did during was of uh, um that yeah, Saint Catherine
1: in her um Shrine or what have you. I like that you've gone for the smallest piece of paper you could find.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, and I cheated as well. So I did like a a layer of charcoal, and then and then I rubbed lines out into it, and then I highlighted next to where I'd rubbed out, so that I had different. I mean, that's
0: not cheating because yeah, it that's was just charcoal. being <laughs> <there>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Putting skill, thought, and effort into it. Oh, um, all right. Yeah. Okay. 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 I've done mine and I've loaded it straight up into the craft uh, folder, which I created this week. Oh, <laughs> oh look First time for anything. Exactly. <laughs> Boswell, doing some. Uh, just guys, in one week, I've not only subscribed to our Twitter account, I've also created a folder on our new Yeah, holy yeah.
2: fuck! 69 <laughs> followers on Twitter.
1: <laughs> no one else follow us now. Yeah, we we don't don't
0: want anymore. We've
1: reached our magic number. Um, So I kind of redeemed it a little bit, but but just by making the eyes much bigger. (laughs) So they're still wearing sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should just change it to sunglasses and then it will be fine. He's
0: going like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking. A bit of a stone skull. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like you found the Fonz's skull. Yeah.
1: It's very happy. Um, that's because I drew the mouth too open, so it just looks really smiley.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yee! <Yay. laughs> um, where is hat bag, sock bag? Hat it's bag. in a
1: box because I'm moving house, so I've already pre-picked the topic I've already pre-picked one out.
0: That's not the magic of bag hat, hat
1: bag. They didn't even know. We could have lied the whole
0: time to the audience. We wouldn't do that.
1: It's right here. And I'm picking out Old Wives Tales. Oh.
0: Old
1: Old Wives Tales. tales. Yes. Okay. Kind of like,
0: you know, don't eat garlic before a full moon. Otherwise, you'll sprout tulips out your eyeballs. That kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Out your eyeballs. bulbs.
0: Eye bulbs Stupid thats a word, right? Uh,
2: <laughs> you know, I love it. Now. Yeah. So don't forget to like, like, and subscribe. Give and us some reviews,
1: man. I'm feeling like I want some reviews. I want some compliments. Yeah, I want yeah. not
2: use reviews, good reviews. Yeah, oh, yeah, like you can you can say how much uh, we're engaging and enthusiastic.
0: Have and nice
1: pieces. And- um, but we're just—we're really clever we're really We are, and, and our voices sound beautiful. And we're really well prepared.
0: We never and talk over each
2: other, and we're dedicated to,
0: uh, to like craft. content quality. <laughs> uh, we never repeat ourselves, <laughs> and we are dedicated to content quality. <laughs> yes, <We can> never <laughs> repeat ourselves. We'll next week, though, we didn't
1: decide oh craft um good question oh um quilling quilling for quilling do you have to buy do you just cut strips of paper to do it with yeah okay so if we prepare some paper in advance cut some strips of paper and we can
0: see how that fucking goes if you've got a fountain pen is that like having a quill no right (laughs) okay no, just... we're rolling bits of paper, Bob's. All right, sorry. <laughs> <Really>? Fine. <laughs> cool. Um, so, nice. should we just do a little ending? What, what time are we meeting tomorrow? Seven. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah, Bria.
2: Yeah, seven. Seven's perfect. Um, yeah. I feel like
0: could have I... happened after we said goodbye. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> The important thing is we don't repeat content.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh guys, what we want you to do is spread the weird. Um tell your friends, spread the weird and thanks for listening, weirdo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: okay, love you. Bye.